Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Weinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts. And my guest today is Annie Bailey. She's an analyst with Kupinger Coal, focusing on emerging technologies, and she's working out of Stuttgart. Hi, Annie. Hi, Matthias. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you again, and I'm really looking forward to this. This will be the first in a series of two episodes, and we are focusing on emerging technologies when it comes to, to healthcare and to new, more modern, more intelligent, more digital solutions in, in healthcare. And maybe to start with that, uh, what is driving change in healthcare? What is going on there? Yeah, so we'll see how far I can get um, into answering this question without mentioning COVID. Um, uh, that's obviously a part, but not everything here, which is driving change in healthcare. One other high-profile measurement for this are the, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and number three is to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. Um, and so this is uh, an interesting measurement to to track throughout the years until 2030 when it is uh you know we should theoretically have met the goal so to put this into more context you've mentioned these sdgs um wh where do they come from um who is the originator of this this principle this international need mm -hmm. so th these come from the united nations and this is a, a combined effort from the participating nations to determine goals for the for the development and the betterment of our world as a whole and our society as a whole. Um, and so this is a very high level look at what it means to um, have a healthy world population. So again, staying at the high level, some midway reports that have come out checking the progress on, on achieving this goal have shown that there's a big barrier for many countries in achieving this goal. And that is information systems for health services, that these information systems are really lacking, that they're not able to share data securely and interoperably between their health institutions, between administrating bureaus, and it's really preventing data-driven insights to help achieve this goal of ensuring healthy lives and promoting well-being. Okay, so I think although we live in, in Germany and, and we, there is a quite basic level of um, infrastructure already in place, we all think that there is room for improvement and this varies with different countries and the farer you get to, um, to developing countries, the more difficult that might get. But I assume this assessment is really true that we are not yet there to provide an infrastructure that can ensure healthy lives and promote this well-being for all at all ages, as this the principle reads. Um, but we, if we look closer to where we live, what is the situation here? Mm -hmm. Yes, you're absolutely right. There's um, uh, the situation varies from country to country and from region to region, from city to city. You know, there's no overarching um, summary of what the health situation is anywhere in the world. But what we we can say generally is that there's pressure from all sides on the healthcare sector, wherever it finds itself in the world. Um, and this usually comes from socioeconomic factors, things like aging populations or a growing wealth divide of patients. There's usually a more mobile population, meaning that people are moving to economic centers 
are further displaced from their social structures, having impacts on mental health, as well as um, exposure to, to very different climate factors, um, which also impact health. So there are a lot of changes in the demographics of the population, which puts pressure on health systems, but also legislative action as a rule constrains the free choice of the healthcare sector to act as a business. You know, it's very dependent on the, the governmental rule in that region. And so this can dictate the relationship with public and private insurance schemes and much, much more. There's also labor factors. So labor is, is becoming more and more expensive, but that also reveals the, the lack um, and the deficit of health workers globally. So this often puts hospitals and other healthcare institutions in a bind of, of having increasing costs and uh, fewer and, and more restricted access to qualified healthcare workers. But then in the midst of all of this, there, there's the growing opinion that healthcare should remain affordable for all. So how in the world should the healthcare sector react to all of these pressures? It's um, a very challenging question. Exactly. And if we look at the, the varying situations that you mentioned, also with the discussions currently going on in the United States, when it comes to, to Medicare for everybody um, and other countries already having that established, um, there is really a, a, a variety of different issues that we have to look at. And somewhere in between patient privacy and, and governance, and on the other hand, all the topics that you've mentioned between costs and affordable healthcare in general. So there are no magic fixes, but I assume there are with the technology given right now and the technology that we as analysts are working on a daily basis, there are possibilities out there for, for addressing these issues. So what's, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would have to echo you. Technology is never the whole answer. Um, these are situations which are far more complex than, than is simply, you know, plugging in a solution. Um, but uh, I'm of the opinion that, that technology, specifically some, some of these emerging technologies, can play a significant role here. So if we remember back to the, the results of our midway assessment of, of how we are achieving SDG goal number three on, on healthy lives globally. Part of that issue in achieving that is not having integrated national health information systems. Um, and this is a technology issue. So my recent research has been um, exactly on this in exploring how emerging technologies like AI like the Internet of Things or blockchain and also digital identities, how they will impact the healthcare sector. Right. So when you've mentioned all, all of those buzzword technologies already, with including artificial intelligence, machine learning, and, and especially close to my heart, digital identities, um, I think that is really an important factor because um, nobody is really willing to, to contribute their health data, especially when you are talking about your diseases, your weaknesses, uh, into a, an untrusted IT system. So I think that is really an important aspect to look at. But if we look at these technologies that you've mentioned, um, what are the trends that you discovered when you look at these emerging technologies, especially in this um, sector of healthcare? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, and it will be really interesting to see how this develops over the next few years. But what uh, has become apparent is that AI-powered diagnostics will be a really powerful part of treatments um, in the near future. So this is already present. Um, AI is used a lot in really typical treatments um, using image classification for processing the results of MRIs and CAT scans. This is already happening today. Another uh, solution that we see already in use are diagnostic health chatbots um, using natural language processing combined with various machine learning models to help patients self-diagnose for specific health issues, not for everything, and help to determine the next steps if they can do something at home if, or if they should seek their medical care, what their next steps are. Uh, so these are really only the beginning of how AI will be used to help diagnose patients. And a trend here, of course, will be the privacy side. That this will only progress if patients trust the systems to handle their data well, to make sure that there's uh, still compliance for regulations like HIPAA in the U.S., and also increase access to care across social, economic, and geographic lines. So this is one big trend. Another is a, a new-ish business model for um, the healthcare industry, which is precision health. So this is a, a model where patient care is completely personalized, um, where you have features like a proactive illness diagnosis um, or personalized wellness and prevention strategies, the idea of assessing your genealogy and matching it with a diet, things like this um, and much more. And so this is already started with things like using smartwatches, so wearable IoT devices, and using AI-supported diagnostics. This will probably be a whole portion of the healthcare industry, which will grow very quickly. And another less sparkly uh, <laughs> a trend, but um, really, really important, is data interoperability between healthcare institutions, and also internationally. So the buzzword of the last decade was electronic health records. And these are great, but they're really not enough to really tap into the data insights that would be able to really get the next level of improvement in hospital workflows or assessing patient behavior and health trends. So we see in a lot of other industries uh, there's a shift to bringing the user to the center of processes. And that will happen here as well, where the patient is brought into the center of processes instead of being centered on one health institution where you have silos of data being held only in one institution. Well, the patient is moving from uh, dentist's office to hospital to private care to uh, the insurance agency. In, in this understanding of the patient journey, um, the patient has to be the center of, of this process, and the data has to be interoperable and secure to travel with the patient from all of these institutions.
Yeah, I would fully agree because when we put the patient into the center of this process and onto the focus of this process, he or she is really at the core of what's going on when it comes to treatment and to, to caring for that individual person. But on the other hand, it's also about managing access control and managing consent to make sure that data is properly used when it comes to maintaining the, the security and the, and the health of the person. But on the other hand, to allow this information when consent is given to be processed for additional purposes, as you've mentioned, for improving uh, hospital processes, for improving overall statistic information, etc. But all this can only happen when it comes to having the person in the driver's seat, the patient in the driver's seat, for um, how this information is actually used afterwards. Would you agree here? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So um, now that we've learned about these um, new technology trends that we see in healthcare, we come to the to the ending of this first part of our podcast episodes, and we will have a look at um, use cases for these individual technology trends in a second edition that will follow very soon. You've mentioned that you're doing um, research in that area already. Is there something available already at kuppingercall.com that the audience can have a look at while waiting for the second episode? Yes, so there's a series that I published called the Emerging Technology Series. And so I've been able to look at a few different industries up until this point, the financial industry, also um, energy and utilities. So as you're waiting for the next podcast, you could catch up on those other reports or take a look at the healthcare industry. Great. Okay, so then thank you very much, Annie, for, for this first introductory part about what's going on in healthcare and how to achieve these SDG3 goals. And we will continue this conversation in an upcoming episode very soon. So for the time being, thank you very much, Annie, and thank you very much to the audience for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.